were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Salaam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig round it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stool and lead it out to give water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. We've just heard Andrew reading the first of four passages from Luke's Gospel that we'll be hearing the others over the next few weeks. And they're all about Jesus' teaching about some big things in life that we need to know and to understand. And by the time we've finished, I've hoped we've grabbed on to everything Jesus says, taken in as much as we possibly can. Lent is always a special time of learning. So I hope that we're all going to go over these next few weeks looking at Luke 13 and 14. And then, as the Book of Common Prayer said all those years ago, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it. So what is our big learning today? Let's look at this reading from Luke 13 and see, and we can see that it is in two parts with big questions that Jesus is being asked in both. And both questions are challenging him once again to give his point of view about traditions. Traditions that the Jewish people have held for a very long time. And traditions they know Jesus sometimes disagrees with. Now when we read the gospel, we see quite a few times Jesus worshipping in the traditional way in the synagogue as a teacher, reading scripture from the Torah, and being a part of the community that comes together each week 
to worship. But we also see there are some times that he doesn't go with tradition and challenges the status quo full on. And he doesn't hesitate to do this with both the questions in our readings this morning. And that the way he does it doesn't either make friends or influence those in authority. So let's look at the question in the first part of this reading and let's ask ourselves, how do we feel about Jesus' answer to this first challenge? How does he make everyone who is listening him forget about the way we've always done it, the status quo, and follow a new pathway? And secondly, as we look at this passage, should we be questioning ourselves about how we feel about the status quo in our lives? Do we want to keep things just the same? Or do we want to look at the challenge Jesus gives us and say, yes, I'm ready to go on and explore? The revolution that Jesus brought about in his lifetime challenges everyone who reads about it. And in every generation, they're challenged to make big decisions. And that includes the people of Israel. In the past couple of weeks, I've been reading a commentary about Luke's gospel and the new and different ways, pathways, Jesus took during his lifetime here with us. And I think three of them are relevant to these questions this morning. And the first pathway is the pathway to ancestry where we can look at who Jesus is, both as a man, but more importantly, as the son of God. And as God's son, he, we can see that he has great knowledge. He knows better than anyone else what's going to happen in the future. And to those people whose ancestry is trapped in so much superstition that they can't hear what he is telling them. And Jesus knows that unless they follow his new pathway, they will lose everything. Of course, Jesus understood that people needed his answers, but they only needed the ones that they wanted to hear. And Jesus knew that his message was so important that he couldn't give in to them, even when they weren't prepared to listen to him. Whatever he tried to tell them, the only thing that they wanted to talk about was Pilate's desecration of Jerusalem, and the question they wanted answered was that and nothing else. We know that in any congregation, they are at their most vulnerable worshipping together. And that's what the Mayor of Christ Church said yesterday. And our prayers are with those who mourn this morning. But we can see that having compassion for his people who are murdered through hatred is not what Jesus is talking about. He is trying to explain what God wants and to put things right. We seem to be surrounded by disasters at the moment, and they're always the top headlines in the papers or the first item on the TV news. And as we read or listen, we can't help being fascinated by them. And there was no difference in Jesus' time except their headlines, were always about what the Romans were doing, which was always something dire. For the people of Israel, their problem was definitely the Romans, occupying their country, killing their people, and always being a threat to what they believed in. 
which is why they wanted the Messiah to come and save them. They knew that he would come with a blazing sword and lead the army of Israel to victory over a cruel and vicious enemy. And Pilate was certainly that. He was probably the worst governor they had ever had. And he was known for his lack of tact where the Jewish faith was concerned. And murdering those Galileans and defiling the temple was par for the course for him and the Roman army. But Jesus' compassion for those who have died is not what their question is about. What the crowd hope for is that his answer will be controversial. They hope he will stand up for his people, denounce Pilate, and stir things up. And because Jesus realizes just what they're trying to do, he turns the situation on its head, and he lets them know that it's not the moment then for him to react in the way that they want. Of course the crowd is urging Jesus to stand up for them because they're so wrapped up in the past and their ancestry pathway that they worry all the time about the rules being broken. You see, according to the law, these men who have died in such terrible circumstances must have been sinful, and that's why they've suffered so much more than anyone else in Galilee. But Jesus is on to them. And he's telling them that his new pathway, sin, is sin. And however you you die doesn't make it worse or better. His urgent message is that we are all sinful. So let's worry about that rather than the way that people who died in the disaster because of the Romans didn't understand the temple law. Jesus says the big challenge for all of you is to repent. Because without God's forgiveness, you'll stand about as much chance as those who died in the disasters that you've worried so much about. For Jesus, the status quo is no longer viable. And and to be forgiven, he needs them to change to a different pathway right now. But no one's listening. And even his disciples find him hard to understand. And isn't Jesus asking us to find a different pathway? Isn't that the message that we hear from him today on courses like Alpha? How often do we look at our Christian pathway, take a rain check, and think about what we're doing? We know we need to listen to Jesus, to hear and to obey. But we also know how often we fall short. And because of our lives are so full of things that don't matter, There's no space to hear Jesus calling us back and asking us to do something different. And of course, Jesus' story of the fig tree is there to help us on our way and to let us realize that we can't just sit still. We have to take action and do something spectacular to bear fruit. We know that coming here each Sunday morning and worshiping God and listening to his message is not all there is to it. And we know that although the status quo is much more comfortable, we ignore what Jesus is telling us at our peril. We need to be a congregation moving forward and bearing loads of fruit. We need to follow a pathway that makes us aware that we need to explore our faith even further. And we need to find innovative and different ways of doing it. 
There are so many new projects at the moment in this church and out in the community, and we need to be a part of them. Of course we can look back at our past and the great ancestry path of our church, but we also need to look forward and let Jesus' revolution move us on and let us grow. For me, Jesus was the greatest revolutionary of all time. And his short life changed the whole world. And if we listen to the story of the fig tree, it's definitely giving us the answer to the first question we looked at. Jesus is telling us, if we don't change and don't produce the fruit, then in God's eyes, we're not going to be worth very much. But help is at hand. And if Jesus is the gardener, then he's telling us he never gives up on us. He's always there to give us another chance to flourish. He's telling those around him that if they take up their cross and follow a new pathway, then he is giving them another chance to be a part of his kingdom. So now, when we look at the second question this morning and what happened in the synagogue, we can see exactly how keeping to the status quo can make things go wrong and how much we need to use Jesus' second pathway, the pathway to choice. I always think how amazing it must have been to hear what Jesus had to say firsthand. But you do begin to wonder just how much the congregation at that synagogue was really listening. Is anyone ready to take the plunge and see things as Jesus sees them? Does anyone want to find a new pathway? And that in that moment of controversy with Jesus that comes along, the pathway to ancestry is how the leader of the synagogue looks at the law and he tries to take everyone with him, encouraging all of them to challenge Jesus. Of course, everyone's reaction to what he does is exactly what Jesus expects. This synagogue is probably in a small town where everyone knows everyone else. So this poor woman would be a familiar sight. But I wonder, does anyone actually see her? Are they concerned enough about her to give her the care and love that will help her to belong? I don't think so. I think they probably see her as someone they nod to and then ignore because they are behaving like the fig tree. Lots of luscious leaves for rules and regulations, but bearing no fruit at all, as they forget completely about the poor and the needy that they promised God they would care for. Jesus tries to help them because, just like the gardener trying to dig around the fig tree, he wants to make things better and change the pathway that this stubborn congregation is taking. But when some of them see Jesus' love and care for this woman, they refuse to look at what is really happening. All they see is Jesus doing something completely wrong, and all the rules and regulations come into play with a vengeance. But Jesus just ignores them. And in his great love, he heals this woman who is in such distress. And because he knows she's bent over not just with physical things that are wrong with her, he heals all those things 
that are in her heart and in her mind. And she knows and understands just what he's done. And she stands up tall and straight for the first time in years. And the first thing she does is to praise God for her recovery. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity, Jesus says. And with those words, he is letting her know that her mind and her heart are free from all that has held her back. And now she has the same choices as everyone else. And this is where our third and most important pathway comes in. The pathway to restoration. That moment where we believe in Jesus and we know that we are restored. But many of that congregation have no vision of restoration yet. The tension in that synagogue is visible. And as we see the power struggle between the leader and his cronies who are in charge of the meeting, and Jesus, who by healing this woman has upstaged them completely, and those who stand on the edge of the crowd just don't know which side to take. After all, they've got to go on living in this place after Jesus has moved on. And on top of that, the leader has told Jesus off for breaking the rules and telling him quite reasonably, couldn't he have come back and healed her on another day? But even though he knows just how bad this situation will look to those who want him dead, Jesus is having none of it. He lets rip and tells the leader just what he thinks of him in no uncertain terms. Everything you say has such double standards, Jesus says. You look after your animals on the Sabbath because you don't want them to suffer. And yet this woman, who you probably haven't thought about for years, can go on suffering for another day because of your rules. And surely when you think about it, what better day is there than the Lord's day to restore someone to health? Well, the leader must have been very annoyed and chastened at this point. And the situation wouldn't have been helped when the majority of the congregation seemed to have changed sides and are cheering Jesus. We read about the many people Jesus healed in his short lifetime. And the healing of this woman may seem very small part of the, his picture. But isn't it the small things that often bear the most fruit? And on that day, for that woman, and for some of that congregation, everything would have changed. And she would have been restored to health. Jesus is always giving choices to those who listen to his word. And the most important choice is to follow him because he knows that they can't go on living the way they are indefinitely. Jesus, God has sent Jesus to change the world. And he knows that there is no time to waste because with his arrival, God's judgment has come that little bit nearer. So things have to move on apace, and the right paths need to be chosen. Jesus will die on the cross for our sins very soon. And if repentance is going to take place, then there's no time to waste. Both those big questions we heard in the reading this morning are about change of direction and choosing different pathways in our lives. And now we know that that we, do not have, that we do have a choice, but we have to make the right choice, and that can put us on the path to restoration. 
So if we really want to grow and bear fruit in our lives, then we have to ask ourselves here and now, this morning, am I really ready to commit myself and my life fully to Jesus? If we are to be Jesus' followers and give ourselves without any reservations to him and the work he has asked us to do, then we have to make a big decision right now. It's no good promising to bear fruit next week or next year. We need to sign up today. And like the woman who was healed, we need to stand up straight, praise God, and get ready today to change the world where we live and where we work. Let us pray. Father God, we ask you to help us to make the right choices in our lives today. And we ask you to heal our hearts and minds so that we stand up straight and walk the path to restoration and faith that you offer freely each and every day. Amen.